Thank you for joining me. My name is Megan and I'm the host of Inventing Resilience. Today I wanted to share a personal post. I think they're all very personal, but um, this one's a little extra so. Um, my father, Frederick, uh, with whom I've written about in a post on the blog and I will be reading as part of this, as well as his eulogy, um, passed away on November the 3rd, um, a month shy of his 91st birthday which would have been December 3rd, so yesterday. Um, It has taken me about a month to sort of get it together, um, as well as the fact that I wanted to read his eulogy and we had his celebration of life Thursday, um, this past Thursday. So I was waiting for that to be done before I recorded this um, and put it out there. So hopefully this will give a little something for people who maybe weren't able to make it. Um, And yeah, it's sort of my final release. And goodbye to him. So, um, yeah, to picture it, uh, my dad wanted to give his body to science. Unfortunately, there are some rules around doing that, um, to donate your body to the university. Um, things like your body mass index, as well as um, ensuring that there is nothing um, like MRSA, which is like a anterior or bacteria-resistant um infection in your blood, um, that you need to make sure that you're negative for that. Um, and unfortunately at the time of his passing, he was emaciated to the point where his BMI was too low. Um, and he was still positive, um, or had not, uh, been cleared of the MRSA. So, um, we did have to cremate him, which was unfortunate given it was not ideal for his wishes. Um, he also didn't, he was a staunch atheist and didn't want anything at a, um, funeral home or a, um, church however he loved a good show so we rented at a movie theater watched the latest bond no time to die which was more fitting than i could could have imagined and um yeah so more ways than ones my dad used to have an uncanny likeness to sean connery um there's a young picture of him on the blog if you check it out um as well on my instagram at the inventing resilience and um yeah, so he used to love it when people would come up to him and ask him if he was Sean Connery. I think one time in Mexico he actually like signed a, um, I think he signed his own name that like signed a picture or something because the people thought he was. <laughs> Anyways, so funny, not funny. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start reading and I think I'm good. I may actually make it through without crying, unlike uh, when I was on, on Thursday. So um, thank you to everyone that's joined us today. Thank you for listening. Um, whether you knew my father, Frederick, personally or, or are here to support one of his eight children, your presence is valued and appreciated. My father lived a very long and full life. He was a complicated man that despite the constant stream of stories, it felt like there could be endlessly more. My dad related through stories, like when I started synchronized swimming and he would go on about how he s- started a synchro group called Fred and the Aquabells or that he was one of the first Bronze Cross recipients. He had stories scattered all throughout Calgary and the world, from Peter's Drive-In to Bankview, the armed forces to Hawaii. My dad lived what seemed like a thousand lives. He 
had an exceptional career as a physician, from running an ER department to his own practice to working at the VA. I've met my fair share of people around Calgary that went when they learned my last name would ask if I was related to Dr. Hilderman. Their descriptions were always the same. Dad was spicy and exceptional. One woman, Moira, her daughter had, uh, Jane had leukemia and dad was their GP at the time. Even 40 years after her daughter's remission, she would share how much his genuine care had touched their family and how dad had saved her daughter's life. That didn't speak much to me about individual medical stories, but I did get to hear about his love of the new physician exams, speaking with the upcoming generation of doctors and the desire to mentor them. He always said that it wasn't the smartest person who made the best doctor, but the one who could connect with their patient the most. I know my own desire to be a doctor was large in part because of the one thing he seemed really good at, or it seemed like it was the one thing he was really good at. For all his imperfections, Dad had some amazing qualities. He was a true optimist, proof made by his five attempts at marriage, believing that if there was a will, there was a way. I'll never forget sitting in a car with him breaking the news that he was a lousy partner and that there was going to be no more getting married. Yet despite all the difficulty he experienced in his relationships, he still tried and kept going. He maintained what you could call friendly relations with his last two wives, setting an example for his children that despite a relationship ending, you could still love someone. Losing Bev was a huge blow to dad. He was in school when he lost her and had four small children. There was part of him that never recovered. Knowing this made it easier for me to understand him and to treat him with kindness and grace. Dad was an empath, and that might be hard to believe because he was also a harsh realist, but he truly wanted nothing more than to love and be loved. It can be said that we are the sum of all our actions. However, I learned early that you need to separate my father's individual actions from him. It is so easy to focus on what someone does wrong and when they are not their best. My father made mistakes and he could be a real asshole. And the funny thing is, he could also be my biggest cheerleader. I'm a little over the place to say the best, um, or to say the least, but every time I struggled, Dad was there to let me know I'd be okay. I think that all of us could say that he had our backs. Not without commentary, but still. Every time I wanted to try something new, like a new job, a new sector, or when I got pregnant a month after separating from my husband, Dad was there. I remember him telling me that it wouldn't be easy, but I could do it. Dad was a naturally solo person trying to make connections. He loved his alone time, and he would say enjoyed his own company. He was often misunderstood and didn't really accept his own imperfections. I feel like I'm saying a lot of, of eyes, but the truth is that I only really know Dad through my own eyes, my own experiences. I remember him yelling at me for losing a coupon. I remember him not speaking to me for six months because he let a woman he was sleeping with get between us. But I also remember his insight, his intelligence, watching shows and dissecting them over dinner. He tried his best, and as short as that fell sometimes, it's all we can ask of a person. I know the last few years I felt guilt. Guilt that I wanted him to stay alive so my children would know him. When my dad bought a membership at Westside where I worked, um back in the day, a staff member pulled me aside after the first encounter to say that they now knew why I was the way I was. I wanted that perspective for my kids. I wanted them to also know his love, his generosity. He softened a bit, and I do mean a bit. Dad was complicated. He was imperfect, but he loved those closest to him in a special way, one that cannot be replaced or replicated. I've heard this quote by Jamie Anderson and the sentiment a few times in the last month, um, and it gave me pause. Grief, I've learned, 
is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot. All that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. I know Dad made it difficult to share your love with him, and that grief can seem larger or harder, a bigger lump if you will. He didn't accept love as easily as criticism. Know that your love is felt. Your grief isn't wandering. It can be grounded and released. Dad never wanted his body kept or a big do in his favor. All he wanted was for us to love and be loved. So make this your mission, release your tears, and move forward. So that was my send-off, my eulogy for my dad. And now I'm going to like synopsis. You can like stop here <laughs> or I'll read the post that I did last year. It's got a little bit more details. I think it gives a little bit more context to my dad um, and understanding. So it's celebrating an imperfect person. Happy 90th birthday to my dad. So 90, which is crazy. I keep thinking like he never thought he would make it to 90. I don't think he ever wanted to. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead. It's safe to say that today, December 3rd, 2020, does not look at all like how I expected. It's currently 16 degrees in Calgary. We are on month 10 of a global pandemic, but by far my biggest shock is my father, Dr. Frederick Hillerman, is alive and turning 90 years old. I've spent my entire life anticipating my father's death. He was 52 when I was born, and there was always a clock in my head on losing him because of his age. He has had a myriad of health problems in the last two decades. Heart surgery at the age of 70, that was supposed to just be a simple stent and then ended up being a triple bypass, stent valve replacement, and finding a hole in his heart. A broken shoulder replacement from falling off a stool while stubbornly trying to hang a photo of it in his own. A massive eight-hour spinal surgery, I think that was about 15 years ago, where he came out of the anesthetic so groggy that he couldn't remember the year, who was who, or anything really over the last three days before. Um, there's also the bacterial infection in his blood that made him pass out at a local rec center's hot tub and required IV antibiotics for four months uh, with a pill form for nearly two years after that. And then um, must not forget the crowning achievement of breaking his hip on my wedding day in 2009. And then again, four years ago, while I was pregnant with my third baby. So broke his hip the second time at Westside, same rec center where he passed out in the hot tub years before. And lit quite literally, um, my sister and mother found him on the floor in his place on my wedding day. And I'll never forget, I had just gotten my hair done. And we were crossing the city because we, uh, my hairdresser at the time was in deep south Calgary. And we had to cross uh, Calgary to go to the west because my wedding was going to be in Canmore that day. And my sister saying to me, um, Megan, are you with somebody? And I was like, well, of course I'm, I'm with somebody. It's my wedding day. I'm with, um, my maid of honor and, and, you know, my wedding party, we just got a hair done and, um, we're just driving, you know, out towards the highway now. And she said, um, I've got to tell you something. Dad has fallen and I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> and, um, I always picture how dramatic it must've looked with my hair done, not makeup yet. Um, but wedding hair done. Uh, running into my dad's condo um, to find him being pulled out on a gurney by paramedics, um, just like in tears. So, <laughs> um, yeah, fairly dramatic. And that's dad. So 
The final nail, though, in his independent coffin or independent living was when he was still trying to recuperate from the second broken hip. He insisted on living at home with help only twice a week. Only two days after living the uh, leaving the assisted living facility, and the week before I was due with my third, he fell when trying to get to the bathroom and was found what must have been a good 12 hours later by a care worker and myself lying on the floor unable to get up and delirious. So, um, yeah, my it was like the fourth last day of work for me <laughs> um before I went on maternity leave and um the care worker couldn't get into my dad's place because she didn't have a key at the time because she was just new and he had just moved and yeah he was utterly delirious when we went and got him so my father now I mean not now but at last year lives in a long-term care facility it is as hard as it can be to see him or hear him complain about his lack of independence I know he's well cared for and he wouldn't have made it to 90 without them I've often said that the staff at my father's facility, or to really anyone that will listen, that I feel selfish that I want him to keep living. I know the quality of life for him is not what he wishes it would be. There's no more travel, no walking, no swimming. He used to say to me at a very, from a very young age that if he ever started losing his marbles, so lacking capacity, or would not be able to do the things that he wanted to, that he would take a good long cold swim in the Bow, as in the Bow River, a large river in Calgary. So... The man had a flair for the dramatics. I feel selfish because I want him to live so my children will have the opportunity to know him because a big part of me believes it's impossible to really know me without first knowing my dad. My father was the youngest of three. For his mother, the only boy with two older sisters, by all accounts that I know of, my grandmother spoiled my dad something fierce, as much as she would anyone because apparently she was a hard woman. His father was a survivor of First World War and suffered what I can only imagine was PTSD as he ended up very unwell in his later years. My father always sounded a bit ashamed of the unraveling of his father's mental health. He grew up in Calgary, spending extended time in Vancouver as well, I think. I only remember parts of details from stories from when I was young. My father was a self-described natural athlete, excelling in sport, including synchronized swimming, as he often liked to remind me during my synchro and swimming years. He's part of that Fred and the Aqua Bells that I mentioned in my eulogy, and one of the first people to the Bronze Cross in WSI, which is actually believable given the timeline of 1945 being the first Bronze Cross certification, and at the year would have been my dad's 15th year. So, My father accomplished so many things. He was in the military at some point. He trained officers in physical fitness and has something to do with the Korean War. I only remember this um, because he went on a trip to Korea when I was a child as part of some recognition. My father had married young, at age 19, to whom he would forever say was the love of his life, Beverly. He would describe her as smart, good with numbers, beautiful, and gave him a challenge. They had four children by the time they were 27, when shortly after the youngest was born, again, my timing might be off, Bev developed breast cancer and passed away. He was at school, he was uh, at the time in school at the University of Alberta. I wasn't around, so I can't say what he was like, but I picture myself in his shoes and can only imagine what it must have felt like for him, trying to make your way both financially and mentally through medical school while having a sick wife and four young children at home. Not knowing what to do, not having the skills to parent, and losing the person you cared for most. My father self-medicated, and without knowing what it was like before, what he was like before, I can only imagine this is when his dependence on alcohol began. Keeping in mind that like this would have been 1957, 58, not really a time where men um, and mental health was something um, on anybody's radar as of importance. My father has a temper, and when he drinks, he can be terrible. He's incapable of admitting fault. 
He spent years after Bad's death searching for a partner to help care for his kids, his children. Getting married four times in total afterwards, all ending in divorce, he just could never ask for help. One of my earliest memories is of an awful night where my father's drinking got out of control and he went into an uncontrollable rage. I would have been almost three. And all I can picture this evening is my sister, only 13 months older than me, trying to open the door to the garage. And it's like one of those doors where it's like the black handle with like the gold, you know, like the rivets um, from the 80s. But running to the door and trying to open it to get to the garage so we could escape from like the outside door to the side door and being unable to turn the knob. We did somehow do it, ran out the door, ran next door to our neighbors whom called the police. We spent that night in the women's shelter where my other memory is of watching the Smurfs in some strange room. I never remember him saying sorry. I mean, he certainly didn't to me and he never talked about it. He must have apologized um, because after, despite breaking my mother's nose with the telephone, she took him back. We lived our lives walking on eggshells. Better not drop a sock or he'll lose it. I remember being in grade three, my daughter's age now, when I forgot a coupon at Little Caesars at home. My father yelled at me in front of the clerk at the store and the entire way home. And it's not like we were stressed for cash. My dad was a physician and my mom was a nurse. This was just his way. I'd asked my mother to leave him, and it wasn't that I didn't love my dad, but living with him was hell. This may seem strange tribute to share the terrible tales, but to really understand my relationship with my father, you need to know the good and the bad. Some good memories largely include my father making an ass of himself. Like when he lost the parking ticket after seeing cats, or it might have been Les Mis, and instead of paying the fee, he berated the parking attendant and finally leaving, waving his middle finger and being like, here's your fucking ticket. Or when he was once frustrated with my sister and I for not being able to get the car trunk open and having to get out, but A, forgetting to put the car in park, and B, didn't take a seatbelt off. Just picture this man as he struggled while inching the car forward, um, getting his seatbelt unlocked. Anyways, it always kind of gives me a giggle. My coping mechanism was and is to find the humor in his ridiculousness. The thing about it is that my father was also a great person. He was an awful husband and a questionable dad, but as a doctor and a human, he was good. I remember one time when he and I were on one of our weekend afternoons together after my parents got divorced. We were behind a couple teenagers in line to buy tickets for a movie, and the boys were scrounging together all their change. They had mostly coins, and it looked like they might not have enough. My father stepped in before they could say anything, asked for our tickets, paid for the whole thing, and then leaving in a bit of a huff, uttering something along the lines of, like, use your money on your treats. This was, to me, textbook dad. He couldn't just do something nice without being gruff about it. You couldn't say I love you without him brushing it aside. He couldn't just give a compliment without also reminding you of what more you could do. He was hypercritical, but also could be your biggest cheerleader. My dad instilled a love of movies, always up to see whatever movie we picked, and sometimes um, taking us to totally inappropriate shows. (laughs) He instilled a love of music, whether it was pumping Paul Simon full blast or breaking into an operatic solo, or You Are My Sunshine as my kids performed at his uh, celebration of life, and the nurses at the Belcher would know and attest to. He wanted to share his love of tennis, of diving, and theme parks with us, but he wouldn't ask nicely. He is caring, generous, encouraging, charismatic, intelligent, and hardworking. 
He is surly, stubborn, oh lord, to the point of inadvertently hurting himself, and fiercely independent. Not capable of asking for help, not capable of admitting fault, but desperate to be loved. My father is a complicated man, and today I want to celebrate everything that he is, good and difficult, because celebrating the good is easy, but finding compassion for the negative lends itself to peace and love. So, like I said, happy birthday, Dad. Thank you for keeping on. Thank you for being you. I love you. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm pretty proud of myself for making it through without crying. I did not do that. <laughs> Celebration of life. Um, it's a funny thing saying goodbye to somebody who is such a big part of your life. Um, I'd love to hear any stories you have of him, if you knew him. Um, I'd love to hear you share your stories of your grief or times where you've had relationships that have been complicated and that um, you've needed to find space to release that love um, that has no place to go, as I mentioned before. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great evening or day or night or I don't know, whenever you're listening to this. And until next time, thanks. What do you value? What drives you to do the things you love? You love. When you can't find it and you're not sure you have it, invent your own resilience. Just a day is a good day to be who you're meant to be. Oh, invent your own.